0: Hello and welcome to episode 198 of the Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor Stewart. To start us off, a warm welcome to Emily E, Carol T, and Sue G to the Modern Manager membership. This is a friendly reminder that transcripts are now available for every episode. To get them, you must either subscribe to my email list and the transcript will be shared in the weekly email announcing the new episode. Or become a member of the Modern Manager, and the transcript will be available in the show notes when you access the members only private podcast feed. And that private podcast feed also includes an extended interview with each guest. So to get on that newsletter or to become a member, go to themodernmanager.com. Now, today's guest is Dr. Richard Levin. Richard is widely recognized as one of the first executive coaches. He is one of the half-dozen global leaders who have created and shaped the coaching profession since its inception in the 1980s. As the founder and principal of Richard Levin & Associates, the first executive coaching firm, and the first network of independent executive coaches, of which I'm proud to say I'm one of them, and as co-author of the popular and powerful book, Shared Purpose, Working Together to Build Strong Families and High-Performance Companies, as well as the founder of Boston University's Center on Work and Family Richard has stretched the boundaries of creativity, inclusiveness, and collaboration to build extraordinary organizations. As you might imagine, Richard and I talk about coaching, what coaching is, how it's different from therapy and advising, who should get coaching, the future of coaching, and what to do if you or a team member want coaching, but your organization doesn't have the budget for it. Now, here's the conversation.
1: You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rockstar boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer stewart
0: Thank you so much for joining me today, Richard. I have to say, I'm glad we finally got here because I think I had to ask about six or seven times before you'd finally say yes to me. So thank you for saying yes and for joining me today.
2: Well it is indeed my pleasure to be here. And you're right. You were chasing me for a bit. You are very persuasive. I have to say that.
0: <laughs> persuasive, persistent, you know, one of those things.
2: Persuasive. All in right. a very elegant way. So yes.
0: Well, thank you. All right. Well, we are gonna talk about coaching today. And I wanna start us off just to understand what coaching is, because at least when I'm talking to prospective clients or just friends and, and colleagues and family and whomever, there's always these questions that come up about like, what is executive coaching and is that the same thing as advising? Or some people will be like, oh, this kind of feels like therapy. So how do you distinguish what coaching is amidst all of these different kinds of activities that could people could experience across their life as a manager?
2: It's a little bit of all of those you just mentioned. And my version of coaching is that it's very holistic. So it primarily starts with helping a leader become a stronger leader, or since we're talking about the uh, the modern manager, helping them become a stronger manager, uh, but to become stronger at what they are and who they are. But at the same time, realize that we're dealing with holistic human beings. So they're not just monolithic managers, stuck in that role, you know, like check yourself at the door when you come to work. But it's dealing with how someone eats and exercises and takes care of themselves and sleeps And so they can come to work and really give it their best selves. And that's what we're really trying to accomplish in coaching is to help a leader uh, become their very best, however they want to define that. And uh, that's one of the things we tried to do at the very beginning is Ask a leader, what will success look like for you when we have completed this coaching process? We will, in fact, be successful. And what will that success look like for you?
0: I love this idea of helping someone be their best, that that's really the role of a coach. And starting with that success in mind, like what does success look like? And I'm trying to imagine like the right analogy for executive coaching. And you know, people will ask me, is it like an eating coach or a, hmm. you know, a coach who you work out with? And I'm always like, sort of, but there seems to be something different about the field of executive coaching or coaching in the business space in the sense that, at least in my experience, if you have a coach at the gym, they tell you exactly what to do. Do 15 reps, you know, this much weight, (laughs) right? They keep track of everything for you and you just like show up and do the thing when you're there. Maybe they give you an assignment to do at home. Maybe you do it, maybe you don't. And then it kind of just, you do that like, you know, rinse, wash, repeat. And my experience on the coaching side has been like, that is not at all what we're doing. But I think some people might show up expecting answers from a coach, but that's not really... How coaching works. So can you can you share a little bit more about how you think about the coaching conversations and how you help people be their best selves in those moments?
2: Sure. This may surprise you, Mamie, but I don't hesitate sometimes to give people direct advice. Or if I I mean the whole goal of coaching ideally is to bring somebody to their own answers. So they see it for themselves because they're more likely to implement it. But Quite frankly, if I see something that they're missing, I don't hesitate to point that out. And maybe that comes with having done this for a really long time, that I'm more confident in doing that than I might have been 30 years ago, where I'm more likely to give advice than I used to be. But I do think maybe some of this comes from where I started And I don't want to go through my entire journey here because we don't have that much time. But this goes back probably about 37 years. I was a psychologist in private practice, and I was seeing a number of CEOs as my patients. And one would refer another, would refer another. So I had an entire practice of senior executive leaders. And I realized that much of what they were talking about was not purely psychotherapy, they were looking for a thought partner and that has stuck with me for 37 years that coaching is basically being a thought partner for someone but you know the real interesting part of that story i think is that executive coaching didn't exist then so in a really remarkable moment for me one of those ceos said to me if you called yourself something other than a therapist more of us would come and see you. And I figure, okay, that's kind of interesting. What should I call myself? And this individual who was a man said to his person who he then called his secretary, because remember, this was the early 1980s. He said, put in my calendar that I'm going to go see my coach. And he referred to me as his coach. We were essentially doing a combination of therapy and who knows what, but when I started marketing myself as a coach, he was so right. More people started to come and see me. They were almost like lining up at the door. And the greatest thing for me, very honestly, was to break out of the four walls of the therapy office and to be able to shadow somebody at work to kind of see the interactions that they were trying to describe to me in a therapy context Like I could actually live the story with them. I could walk the manufacturing floor with them. I could see how somebody responded to them and say, you know, here's an assignment for next time. You might want to try that interaction a little bit differently. You could say that's advice, but you could also say, look, that's your homework. Go and try it out and let me know in our next conversation whether it worked or not. That's kind of a long answer to your question. I apologize for that.
0: No, this was amazing. So first of all, it makes me feel a lot better because I take the same approach that you take, which is if I see something, if I have a model, if I have experiences with other clients and things that have worked for them, I share that in my sessions. It it feels like, like I'm not doing my job if I don't. Add into the mix of the conversation the wisdom and the insights that I've gained over the years of doing this, and I feel it's part of my job to continue to stay fresh and up to date with all of the research and the models and the ideas that are coming out in the field of management, so that I can give those to my clients and give them that insight, so that they can decide what to do with it too. So I'm glad I'm not the only one. (laughs) And
2: first of all, you're not holding that to yourself. Also, through these podcasts, you're sharing that knowledge for sure, and inviting people into that with you. But I'm so happy to hear that you're not holding back what you've learned and what you know, because that would be a shame. You're like cutting off a whole part of the coaching experience by not helping people experience what you've experienced, but not to make it theirs necessarily. You can present it as, you know, here's something that I have experienced or I've noticed in my work over the years. How does that feel to you? Does that fit right? Or how would you shape that differently for yourself?
0: Exactly. And I feel like it's the same thing for managers. And I want to circle back to this concept of of coaching and your story because it's so fascinating. But I want to throw this in for (laughs) for managers who are thinking about when they have team members who, you know, they just want to tell them, like, I see your problem. Like, just do this. Like, you know, if you just do this thing. (laughs) And it's so hard sometimes to not tell people what to do, but to actually just say, hey, have you thought about this? Or, you know, this worked for me. Might that work for you? I think mean, it's a it's a good reminder for managers who are trying to support and coach their team members that sometimes you got to let people make their own mistakes. And you can offer some thoughts. You can add into the mix, but you can't tell people what to do. And the worst thing is when you do and it backfires. Ooh, not good.
2: <laughs> not good. I, I think you're hitting on something really important here, Mamie. And what I would say in response to that is that rather than telling people what to do or how to do it, the real key to leadership is to help motivate and inspire people. Some people would say, well, you're trying to motivate and inspire them to follow you. Yeah, maybe. But you want to motivate and inspire them to meet your organizations or your companies. Expectations or standards of excellence. And I think you do that by helping them become clear communicators to be as authentic as possible, you know, true to themselves, to identify what their values are and express those, to be as transparent as you can be with your team. And I think that's what makes somebody a greater leader than telling them what to do and how to do it. It's it's more the motivational and inspirational piece, I think. And if we have that opportunity to share what we've learned and experienced, all the better. But getting back to your initial questions, it's being a thought partner, it's being somebody they can bounce ideas around with to help them become a better leader.
0: It's so well said, right? I mean, I have nothing wow, to add you. on that because that was beautifully said. <laughs> And I love this this framing of a coach as a thought partner. It's somebody who you can come. It's a safe space where you can, you know, share your struggles and bounce those ideas off of and have someone who's going to push your thinking and help you reflect more deeply. And I love that your story about shifting from being a therapist to being a coach and being able being able to actually go and see what's happening. And I'm wondering if that's actually still a practice that happens today because I've never done that. All my clients are remote. So I'm I'm curious if that's still part of the coaching experience or if that has shifted away or kind of how you're seeing coaching evolve also as a field.
2: Oh, that's a great question. You know, I think it has, yes, number one, it is still very much a part of what I aspire to do. I think it's been very hard to do over the past couple of years. So when we're living through a pandemic and everything becomes virtual, it's hard to be there with them as they walk the floor when they're not even there themselves. So it's become a little more of an intellectual process than I might prefer it to be or that they might prefer it to be. So we're trying to do the equivalent. It's like, okay, bring me your stories. Because part of what we do, I think, maybe, is we're storytellers. We're trying to elicit stories from the people we're working with it's like tell me your story about your conversation with your team and i think you know you've got me thinking about something kind of interesting a couple of times i've tried this during um the pandemic and that was to meet with a leadership team and just be a fly on the wall so you have all these little boxes of people on a screen and they are the leadership team of a company and i'm there and I'm kind of introduced as being the leader's coach, but I'm going to be quiet, (laughs) which is a challenge for me, you know that, but I'm quiet. And at the end of that, I can really analyze all the dynamics that happened during that meeting um, in a way that I probably couldn't have before. So I can see it, I can see the interactions, and we may not be on site, but I can see how people interact with each other and how the leader interacts with people. And sometimes I can notice in ways that I otherwise might not, that it's not just the leader, it's the dynamics of the team. And we have a chance then to work with the team and help the team itself become more effective and efficient and more highly functional and productive as a whole. So it's sort of making the best of uh, bad times. You know, we can't quite be there all the time, but there are ways to use video or audio or whatever to help this all work.
0: Yeah, and I'm imagining that for some teams it's actually probably easier cuz the team itself is not co-located anyways, and sometimes physically being present is like a big reminder that there's somebody observing us, but if you can be, you know, a a little black box in the corner, it's much less obvious. And I want to I want to pick up on this idea of the team coaching because I think sure. that's a relatively newer thing that's happening. And I'm wondering if you can say a little more about either team coaching as an outgrowth of, I think, executive coaching or other aspects of how coaching is evolving or kind of where you see coaching heading.
2: Sure. Great question. I think that is one of the places it's heading, is um, working with the entire team. And there are a couple of different models that are being tried out. We are trying them out in, in my own firm and others are as well. And that is you could either have one coach working with an entire team, and that gets kind of interesting. You know, I have mixed feelings about it, but I'm trying it out anyway, and we'll see how it goes. And the other is to assign a different coach to each team member and have those coaches meet together offline, not to share anything at all personal that they learned, but to perhaps elevate themes that they might all be picking up on at the same time. I'll give you an example. We worked with a a hospital system where we were hearing, we being a number of coaches who were working on a project at once, each coaching an individual leader. We were hearing from each individual if they were having some issues with work-life balance and we were each addressing it as individuals. But when we all got together as coaches, as a group, we realized, wow, You know, this is a theme that the hospital needs to know about and address as a system. So I found a way to elevate that to my primary contact at the hospital. And sure enough, we were able to address that and create some family-friendly policies that made it easier for people to function within the system. And that we would have never gotten to had we not been addressing the group as a group, that the coach has not been meeting. And of course, an individual coach could come to that same conclusion as well. I just think it's it's a little hard to create those boundaries when you're an individual coach working with seven or eight different people on a leadership team. But we're trying it out and it's not so bad. And I've got a very open mind. So we'll kind of see. But that that's one of the true directions it's going. And I think another two other directions. Okay. One is that I'm really encouraging our coaches. And when I say that, it's, you know, my company has a global network, as you know, of 49 coaches, and we we truly are global. But I'm encouraging our coaches to look at all the work they do through an RDEI lens. So race, diversity, equity, and inclusion, because I think that's so vital to the work that we're doing. And to make that part of the process of coaching at this point, it's just woven into the fabric of what we do. So I think that part's critical. The other part I mentioned is, you know, trying to help coaches look at the leaders they're serving more holistically. So, you know, that's become a more part of the fabric as well. And I think that the the other thing we're looking at really closely and it's working phenomenally well is to combine coaches with consultants and create teams of coaches and consultants so we can collectively work on managers individually and at the same time, look at the culture of the organization, look at it strategically, look at organizational behavior. You know, we can take a a much wider look than we might typically do if we were just talking one-on-one with an individual leader.
0: Wow. So, so much exciting stuff here. So I want to start with this idea that working with one manager is great. Working with multiple managers in an organization can be exponentially bigger when those coaches are communicating with each other, looking across the organization for trends and systems, and then able to ideally work with consultants to help reshape or redirect the culture so that everyone in the organization gets the benefit rather than just any single one individual manager who's got one coach who's just working, you know, independently of the system around them. You know, I think that's such a fascinating direction for for organizations to take when they think about how do they support their people because it's great. Like I love working with individual managers and I can see, you know, through their eyes The way that their team members are being impacted by their the manager's growth and development, but oftentimes it kind of stops there unless it happens to be the CEO who's also kind of thinking culture wide for the whole organization. But for most of the times, you know, it's an individual manager and their team. But when you start to spread out coaches, as you're saying, right, you can actually lift the whole organization through a couple of really critical players, really really critical managers who are. Getting the benefit of coaching directly to them and their team, but then across the organization through the culture. So, like this, this, this way to kind of leverage coaching to be something even bigger, I think is a really fascinating shift in how coaches have maybe operated in the past.
2: You, you said that way better than I did. <laughs> and I really <laughs> like that. And I love what you said in particular about lifting the whole organization, because I think that's exactly the point. You know, I, I think we have to understand that managers aren't working and living in a vacuum. They are part of a, a system, as you're saying, a whole organization. And if we could figure out ways to align the values that the manager is trying to communicate with the entire organization, then we've got something really special going on.
0: All right, so next question, this is this might be a toughie. So- You talked about starting with executives, right? And this CEOs and this field is generally called executive coaching. And I know I always struggle when people ask me, you know, what do I do? And I say, well, I'm a podcaster and I'm a coach. I'm always hesitant to say executive coach because it sounds like this fancy thing that's only for people in the C-suite. And to me, coaching really is for any manager, the way that I try to do coaching. So how do you think about who... You know, needs coaching, who gets coaching, what level of the organization, you know, is, is coaching something that we should try to make accessible to every manager or every even individual? You don't even have to be a manager, but to every individual. Who are the right people for coaching?
2: What a great question. The best candidates for coaching are what you would consider high potential managers. So they're people who are identified as having some traction to move in some different directions, who aspire to maybe higher roles in the organization. And those are the most fun people to coach because they are hungry, they're interested, they're open, they want to learn, they have not yet seen it all. So those are the best people. And to your point about should coaching be open to anybody in an organization? Yes, absolutely. And I think I I totally agree with that. I think the limiting factor tends to be budget because companies primarily can't afford to coach that many people at once. But if you can, for example, select those high potential folks or people who you really truly want to invest in, that's the sweet spot. You know, I think I call it executive coaching because I personally and professionally work mostly with people in the C-suite, but that's just me. You know, we, we call our practice the coaching practice. We don't call it the executive coaching practice because we're dealing with so many variations on coaching. So it's the, the high potential ones. It includes also, by the way, media coaching, presentation skills coaching. You know, we've got some people now who just freeze up when they're in front of a camera or um, we have to give a presentation somewhere. And we have people who are specialized in helping them tell their story most effectively to an audience. So whether it's an audience of looking at a camera and it's going out to millions of people on CNN or MSNBC, whatever it might be, or whether it's giving a presentation to a live audience or just to a small team, we have people who are specialized in doing that. We've got career coaches. We've got you a know, couple of life coaches, and that's a whole different thing. You know, a little more like psychotherapy, but there are, you're, you're right. There are lots of different kinds of coaches and coaching, and we need to have open minds about that.
0: So if I am listening to this and thinking, wow, I would love to have a coach to work with me, but I have no idea how to like make this case to my boss that they should be investing in a coach for myself. Do you have any... Uh- Any advice on how we go about making that case so that we get our organization to invest in us? Or if I'm a manager and I want to have a coach for one of my team members, how I can make the case to get budget for that?
2: Let me take that second point first, okay? And you might have to remind me what the first one is because I could get myself lost (laughs) in where I go with this. (laughs) But I think there is a huge difference between developmental coaching and remedial coaching. So developmental is when you have somebody, um, a manager who truly wants to change and you can identify what that change is and they buy into it. You know, we were talking earlier about what success looks like. If they can really articulate what success will look like for them, what change will look like, how much they want to change, then that's like gold. That's how you make the case for the investment in that individual. And I'm going to be really honest here. I have been in the entire interview, but I'm going to be really honest on this particular point. If somebody comes to us as a coach and they say, I have somebody who needs to be fixed. If I have a chairman of a board or chairwoman of a board who will come to me and say, you know, I've got a CEO here who has some rough spots and I'd like you to fix them. And then I talk with that CEO and the CEO really is not invested in the process They're saying, yeah, yeah, I'll go through the process because my boss wants me to, but I don't care. I'm just going to do it to check off the box. I can guarantee you that that will not work. And I will say to the client, save your money because it's not going to take you anywhere. But if you have somebody who is interested in development, that's how you make the case. It's like if it's someone making a case to their boss, I want to develop these parts of myself, and to really be very specific about what those parts might be, you know, to help me become a better communicator, to help me learn how to be a better motivator of my people, of my team, um, how to set and communicate clear expectations. The more clear you can be in making that case, the more likely you are to get that investment. Did that make any sense?
0: Yes. No, that makes perfect sense. Right. And I, it feels like that works for both me asking my boss for myself, right? To be able to say, this is exactly how I want to grow and what success will look like and how it will then benefit my team or the organization. Or here's my colleague who I want to invest in. Here's the path I see them having potential for. And here's the things I think they need to develop in order to get there. those case, right, that makes a lot of sense. And being able to say that coaching is one of the best ways to help people develop is, you know, that's a really compelling case. So, yes. unfortunately, we're out of time now, though, which is so sad. Oh my. I, <laughs> I love learning from you. Mutual. So,
2: great conversation. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks. All right. So let's wrap up here. Can you tell us about a great manager that you've worked with and what made this person so fantastic?
2: I can tell you, one, this is really close to home, and it explains something, and I want to be respectful of time here. I had my own business for about 35 years and was ready to retire and had worked over the years, had interacted with an organization called CIFAR, the Center for Applied Research, whose president is a woman by the name of Debbie Bing. And Debbie and I got into some really deep conversations about, wouldn't it be cool if coaching and consulting could be combined in one organization? And I wonder where we could go with that. And I got a chance to shadow Debbie on a number of client situations where we were working on them together. I was working with the leaders as a coach. She was working with the system as a consultant. And I realized Debbie is a great leader. And maybe it is a little bit too soon to retire. And maybe I should give this a few years to open myself up to the options uh, Debbie's talking about and to see how she leads and she leads in such an authentic, warm, values-driven way. And I've had a chance now to see that up close. I think honestly, she's, she's one of the best leaders I've seen.
0: Well, I know Debbie also, thanks to you and uh, and many others who've connected us in the past. And I agree. She is stellar. And lastly, Richard, where can people learn more about you and your work?
2: Probably the best bet is through our website. So it's www.cfar.com for Center for Applied Research. And um, just about everything is there. We're also on LinkedIn. We're posting almost every day to make life easier for people, kind of combining a lot of information into a couple of single sentences couple of sentences that just say, Hey, here's a thought for today. You don't have to go digging for it. So those are the places I would go.
0: Perfect. And thank you so much for this conversation and for sharing your experience as a coach and your thoughts about how coaching works and and why we do it.
2: Thank you for inviting me and for being as persuasive as you were in getting us to this point. I'm really grateful. I'm glad we did this.
0: To get this guest bonus and many other member benefits, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. And if you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off of any membership level. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter, along with those episode transcripts. Get on the email list at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.